Thank you for downloading this episode of our podcast. Hi, and welcome to the podcast for Solomon Staircase Masonic Lodge number 357, where we talk about all things related with Freemasonry, including hermetic teachings, philosophy, reason, spirituality, and much more. We're located in Buena Park, Southern California. Tune in as we continue to update our podcast with informative talks and articles for Masons worldwide and those who would like to inquire within. Greetings, I'm Russ Charbonia, and I have the privilege of serving as the president of the Worldwide Civility Council, a nonprofit organization that is dedicated to doing all that we can to restore civility to society. And I am especially honored today to have three leaders from our Masonic Youth Orders joining us. First, we have Eddie Mendoza, who is the Jurisdictional Master Counselor of Southern California Order of Demolay International. We have Juliana Barnes, who is Miss California of Joe's Daughters International. And we have Holly Winter, who is a member of the Grand Executive Committee, Dean of the Grand Cross of Color, and representative to Connecticut and Rhode Island. Welcome, and I thank you all for joining us. So Holly, if you wouldn't mind sharing with us a little bit about what Rainbow is. I'd love to. So Rainbow is a nonprofit youth organization for girls 11 to 20 years old. We also have Pledge, which is for 8 to 12 year olds. And we focus on giving back to our community and helping those in need. Excellent. And how long have you been a part of it? Oh my goodness. Uh, since I was 11 and I'm 19 now. So eight years. Your math skills are tremendous. I, I know. <laughs> Juliana, tell us, if you will, about Job's Daughters International. I would love nothing more. So Job's Daughters is actually celebrating our 100th anniversary this October, which means that 100 years ago, our organization was founded by a woman named Ethel T. Weed Mick in Omaha, Nebraska, um, for the purpose of creating leaders in our young women in order to prepare them for the ever-changing and contemporary world. So we really have an emphasis on turning our young girls into leadership, you know, putting them into leadership positions and encouraging them to not only do their best, but to be their best while helping the world around them. Excellent. And how long have you been a part of the order? I will be celebrating my eighth anniversary in October along, well, I guess not along with Job's daughters, because I will not be celebrating my 100th anniversary, but I will be celebrating my anniversary that same month. I think we'll just call it the 108th anniversary. Yeah, of course. <laughs> just keep adding them all together. There you go. Excellent. And Eddie, tell us, if you will, about Demolay. Absolutely. So Demolay was originally started to provide uh, male role models for young men whose fathers were away at war or who had been lost to the war. Now, Demolay has evolved into more of a worldwide organization based off of the ideals of teaching young men how to be leaders and also the different aspects of that, whether it be uh, the responsibility of planning your own event or understanding that when we talk about respect or reverence, we are not talking just about objects. We're also talking about ideals. So Demolay has a very wide berth of 
of teachings based around our, our seven virtues. You mind sharing those seven virtues with us? Absolutely. So we've got filial love, uh, love of parents, reverence for sacred things, um, sacred things of both objects and ideals, as I had previously mentioned, uh, courtesy, which is just a general uh, politeness, kind of the golden rule, treat others the way you want to be treated, comradeship, the power of uh, the power of many versus the power of one. Fidelity, um, loyalty to not only your own beliefs, but to, uh, to your brothers and your friends. Cleanness, which is, I have a very different understanding of cleanness being that that was the virtue that I, that I chose to, to memorize and to practice. Um, I see it as understanding your motives behind something, knowing that your motives are true, you're doing things for the right reason. Um, not only just, you know, hygiene, which is extremely important, and, and the way that you carry and behave yourself um, within the world. Uh, lastly, we have patriotism, which is just the, the belief that not only is there um, patriotism of peace, but heroism of war. Um, the, the virtue of being a good citizen, that there are more than one way to, uh, to serve your country, so to speak. Excellent. Thank you, Eddie. And, and to our listeners, as you hear these three young people, I think you're going to be as impressed with them as I am. And while there's no question these three are indeed the cream of the crop, you will find all of their members having this kind of, of insightful, insightful nature to themselves and always striving to be better and taking the teachings of their respective orders and applying them to their daily lives. So uh, that's what we're going to be talking about today. I have been told over the time that I've been working on this civility effort that, that civility is just about either being polite to people and avoiding talking about difficult conversations, employing the rules of etiquette, if you will. And then I've had other people tell me, no, it's none of that. It, in fact, is much deeper than that, and it's what allows you to engage in civil and meaningful, important conversations. I personally think it's a combination of those two things. I don't know how you can have those important and difficult conversations with somebody if you don't have a basic level of respect and dignity for the other person. So I'm cur curious, Juliana, if you'll talk about what your order teaches as far as how to treat people with dignity and respect, if you will, with civility. Well, definitely one of the most basic and founding principles of Job's Daughters is that of equality and equal respect and opportunity. And I think that that plays a very major part in civility. So for example, in Job's Daughters, even all the way down to our attire is based purely on making sure that everyone is seen as an equal. So in our Bethel room, we wear all white robes and white is a symbol of purity. And um, it's, everyone wears the same exact thing. So as when you walk into the Bethel room, you are as equal as all the rest of your Bethel sisters regardless of background, race, all that kind of stuff. So I think with the understanding of equality also comes the expectation of education. 
And I think that that also plays a big part in our organization is truly working to understand what makes us different and what makes us each valuable in a different way and really coming together and using that as a resource as opposed to a divider. And so I think that when it comes to civility, that's definitely something that I think of is truly in order to, even if you take it down to the, you know, being polite or, you know, showing proper etiquette, you have to understand what others are expecting from you and what you expect from yourself as well. And so that's something that our organization really strives to teach since we truly do value equal representation. And through that, we work to make sure that not only is everyone equally represented, but they're also equally understood. Thank you for that. Eddie, your, your order has a similar ideal in terms of the equality. Mind sharing your thoughts on that? Yeah. Um, so one of the biggest things in, in Demolay is, uh, and I don't, I don't know if this is where you wanted to take this, but kind of my understanding of our equality comes from our take on uh, the belief in a higher power. Of, this is some uh, concept that we carry throughout Demolay. What we state is that we don't tell you, you have to be of one religion, you have to be of another. Just the belief that there is a higher power is more than enough. Um, and in that way, there is no uh, discrimination of sorts where someone is, is less than because they believe something else, you know? And in Demolay, there is a saying that no position is higher than another. Although there may be the saying of senior deacon and junior deacon, they are at the same level. The senior is not superior to the junior and vice versa that's kind of the the ideal that we try to carry out that there's a way that one will carry themselves within the chapter room and that also needs to be carried into the outside world um kind of the overarching uh the overarching theme of generalizing how we treat others in masonry, we refer to it as treating people on the level that the, the master of the lodge, even though he has that gavel in his hands as each of you have, um, he doesn't carry any more voice than, than the newest member of the lodge. Holly, I'm curious your thoughts as far as what, what principles of the International Order of Rainbow Girls speak to civility in your mind? So as Eddie stated earlier, um, Demolay has seven virtues and so does Rainbow. So our main virtue that ties in with civility, I feel like is fidelity, which plays a big role in how we view others and treating people with respect, trust, and it follows a lot of the same ideals that civility does. But we also have love, which just is love to everyone around us. Religion, which is freedom of religion and like Eddie said earlier, also, um, we allow our members to believe whatever they want as long as they believe in a higher power. Um, nature, which is just love of the outdoors. Immortality, which is the belief that after we die, there is something else for us. 
um, then fidelity, like I mentioned before, um, patriotism, which it used to focus a little bit on what the woman would do when men would go off to war. But as life has changed and things have grown and women have gotten more equality, it's transferred into being a part of our community and voting and doing important things. Um, and then service, which is one of the most important lessons in our organization. And it also ties back to fidelity and civility, which is being kind to those in need and helping them when they need help. This is interesting because I've done sessions just either sit around a table and, and wrap with, with the rainbow or the Joes or the Demolay. And then I've done more formal sessions as well. And, and in each of the cases, we've managed to go through each of your tenets, your, your precepts, your principles, if you will. And uh, they managed to, your members have managed to tie each one of these to the concept of civility. And I think in, inadvertently, perhaps, we have found the umbrella ideal for all that we stand for in Freemasonry and Joe's Daughters and Rainbow for Girls and LA. Um, Eddie alluded to this, and in Freemasonry, we're taught to take the, the teachings that we gain inside the lodge, inside the Bethel or assembly or chapter rooms, and practice them outside in our own walks of life. So, Juliana, I'm curious as to how you go about doing that. How do you take the teachings from inside your Bethel room and implement them in your various other walks of life? Well, when people ask me how I carry Job's Daughters with me and how it's really benefited me in my life, I always think of basically two separate areas. Like there's the lessons that were taught by the ritual of Job's Daughters, by the way that our organization was set up, by our laws and regulations. And like we're based on the book of Job. And so I look to those lessons to so like patience, faith and reward. And then I also feel that there are lessons that I have learned through an organization that has provided me with a diverse group of people, things like, you know, leadership and understanding, like being, I tell people all the time, one of the most valuable lessons I think that Job's Daughters has taught me, and it's not explicitly, you know, taught in the book of Job, I suppose, is truly to be accepting and understanding of people from all different walks of life, all different ages, genders, races, every sort of background, economic, all this kind of stuff. I think that in Job's Daughters, and quite honestly, all of our Masonic organizations, I could speak this on behalf of our Masonic family in general, is that it allows you to meet people that you never would have met because you're coming together for a common goal and a common community. And I think that that, on top of everything that Job Sauters offers specifically, is one of the greatest values that I have gained from being a part of Job's Daughters and our Masonic family in general. Like, I have learned so much from being a Job's Daughter and having a DMLA chapter meeting in the same building. And I've learned so much this year, especially serving as Miss California, like getting to learn so much more about Rainbow for Girls and all this kind of stuff. And I think that one of the things that Job Sauters offers um, is that ability and that resource to know that you're going to meet people and already have a foundation of respect and understanding and knowing that 
you're not coming into that environment to judge anybody. You're coming into that environment to better yourself while attempting to better the world around you, as I said. So um, that, that's kind of one of the things that I really truly think that Job's Daughters offers that a lot of other organizations outside of our Masonic family, you know, may not offer as purely. Um, and then I think that Job's Daughters, when it comes down to our foundational lessons and virtues, I suppose, we're really, we're based on the book of Job, as I said, hence our name of Job's Daughters, if that wasn't uh -huh. <laughs> I know, no one would have guessed, it's our own little secret. But um, we're really founded on the basis that if we remain patient and we remain faithful, we will reap some sort of reward. And I think that of course, in the book of Job, that's on the foundation of Job remained patient and faithful in God and then received his reward after his trials by the adversary. I take that in a more even contemporary sense and generalize that idea. And I, I think one of the most valuable lessons that Job's Daughters offers of those three is faith. And I think that that is not only faith in a universal creator, but a lot of times faith in yourself, faith in your ideas, faith in others, faith in humanity. And I think that all of the three, you know, lessons of Job's daughters tied together, I think perfectly envelop the, you know, commonality of civility. You know, you have to be patient when working to be civil and working to create that environment. You have to have faith that there's value in that and treating others well and treating others equally. And then hopefully by the end of that and through that work, you then gain your reward of either understanding or improvement or, you know, inclusion or something like that. What a terrific explanation. Thank you for that. Holly, how do you find yourself teaching, taking the teachings of Rainbow and applying them to your other parts of your life? So as I stated earlier, a big part of our organization is service. So I've tried to do things outside of Rainbow that can give back to our community. I've made homeless bags to put in my car because Los Angeles, unfortunately, we have a large homeless population. So if I can give something back to them to make it easier for them to live, then that's something I'd like to do. Um, but Rainbow not only teaches our seven virtues, but one of our very big lessons is charity, which is very similar to service. It feels like it's just a synonym of service. but we it's so important that we realize that what we say and what we do affects those around us and if we don't carry the same virtues that we learn at our initiations into life then how can we do that excellent I, i'm going to digress for a moment but i'm curious to know what's in those bags that you have for the homeless folks um, so it's peanut butter. Um, there's usually a number to a local homeless shelter. Sometimes I travel up north, so that part doesn't really work. But um, then I have like a pool floaty that they can use as a pillow, uh, a hat, socks are really important, and there are a few other things. Excellent. Good work. Good work. Eddie, share with us how you've taken the, the teachings of, of Dean Malay and, and applied them to your various. Uh, walks in life. Yeah, so actually I feel like the the profession that I'm in right now is kind of the culmination of, of everything that Dimalay has taught me. Um, everything that I have learned up until now has essentially led to this. 
uh, for those that, that aren't aware, I work as, a, as an ABA therapist. I work with kids who have autism, teaching them uh, how to better their social skills, communication, um, you know, independent life skills, all things that in a way tie back to Demolay. You know, Demolay makes a point of teaching us how to interact and communicate with other people. And that is a big part of what I now have to teach these kids. Um, you know, oftentimes they're kids ages four, youngest three, up into, you know, a client that I met this year who is 35. Wow. And it's an incredible opportunity that I've been given because they took a chance on me that they didn't have to. Um, I was hired by this company straight out of high school. Um, so they, you know, they've trained me how to do it their way. And now I can use, uh, you know, this sort of therapy to instill Demolay in a way. Um, because of Demolay, I have the communication skills to be able to teach them confidently. I can, despite my, my younger age, come off as confident and um, informed and educated to the parents, which is an important part of the whole process is the parents have to have the confidence in you that you will be able to make that change. So that's kind of where I see Demolay helping me the most is in the skills that it gave me to be able to help other people. Excellent. And, and I think uh, your, your clients and your organization are all feel that they're fortunate to have you. I, I know you and you're, you're quite a man, quite a person. Thank you. You know, each of you talked in one way or the other about, about the idea of faith and, and looking forward to a, a brighter future. It isn't a secret that our world is being pounded right now with all kinds of negativity and, and challenges. And I think each of our respective orders teaches us to capitalize on those challenges and become stronger and, and better able to deal with them. Um, so I'm going to ask each of you what you think, what you're seeing is the biggest challenge um, to society right now and how your order is helping you to, to cope with that. Holly, you willing to go first? Sure, I'd love to. So I think something that's pretty evident right now with everything going on is that we need more equality in our day-to-day -day lives. And there are people that don't receive that, whether it be from their skin color, their gender, their sexuality, anything like that. Um, Rainbow provides a place where somebody can feel equal to each other. We like we were stating before, there's a level. And no matter your gen well, no matter your gender in this in these organizations, we all feel that our organizations have given us something that we can go out and be similar, like we can familiarize ourselves with. And Rainbow gives me that opportunity to see people of all different walks of life and to see people with different sexualities, with different races, and it gives me an opportunity to talk to them on a larger scale. Excellent, thank you. Juliana? I would definitely say that I think one of the most valuable 
things that I think that a lot of the times that we're missing or don't necessarily see as actively, I think is understanding. I think that a lot of, I, I stay very true to the adage of like, you don't know what you don't know. And I think a lot of people have not been exposed to certain, you know, means of equality. And I think that on both sides, it's um, really powerful to understand that you may feel so strongly inequality or in some sort of, you know, whatever belief it is that you have. And there could be somebody out there that believes just as strongly, but in the opposite opinion. And it's important to recognize that while you, you know, may feel incredibly, you know, right and, you know, correct, it's important to still have respect for that person because to completely dismiss them and remain rooted in your own stubbornness, whether it be for something that I think is incredibly valuable, whether that's equal rights, gender equality, all this kind of stuff. I think that to dismiss those sort of um, people as like not a part of your world or, you know, not in your circle and they're just, you know, they're just crazy or they're just bad people. I think that a lot of times our world, especially now with, you know, social media and just honestly mass media in general, provides for a very surface level break where you don't necessarily dive deeper. You read one article and you expect that to be an all-encompassing, you know, information. And in reality, with our world moving so quickly because we're becoming so much, you know, bigger and smaller at the same time, I think that a lot of us are not prepared to necessarily dive deeper and truly figure out why that person believes that way because you can disagree with them but it's not okay to necessarily dismiss them in my opinion and i think that's something that you know job's daughters teaches is like i said you're exposed to people of a variety of different you know differences than you whether that's age gender sexuality background you know economic status all that and it really provides you a behind the scenes sort of look into these people that you might have seen on the street walk by and like, you know, formed a very first, you know, inaccurate first impression of them. But I think that our orders give you the opportunity to really learn before having to do. And so I think that that's important in our ever-changing world because we're sort of prepared to dive deeper and understand our differences in other people. Very good, thank you for that. Eddie, what are the big challenges you're seeing from the outside world and uh, how is DMLA helping you to, to address and deal with that? So, I mean, I've learned that I kind of have a different take on, on these things. A lot of it is because um, of studying psychology and all of this like social aspect of everything. Um, and I think one of the biggest things that is hurting the younger generations uh, and even our organization is the lack of social interaction that we're now getting. Um, by nature, humans are social creatures and it is very easy to fall into this spiral of, um, of a, in, a, in a way, depression or feeling lost because of a lack of that. And in a time where we have to be distancing ourselves and in a way, you know, isolating part of that, um, 
interaction is lost. Interactions don't feel as personal. They don't feel as meaningful because they're all happening through a screen. And so a lot of the, the social skills that kids should be developing now, they are not getting the opportunity to. And they're going to come into a world um, or they're going to re-enter a world where they no longer know, like Juliana said, how to interact with someone and, and understand a different point of view. Because who knows how long it's been since they've heard an opposing view. You know, and, and similar to what Holly said, it's also understanding that people are different and it, frankly, people will handle things differently depending on their own situation, whether it be race or, or any of that. Um, so I think that's one of the things that's in a way plaguing us right now. The biggest struggle is how do we still provide that social interaction and those meaningful interactions while abiding by the restrictions that have been put in place? And I think Dimolea has really helped with that because for those who are members or who have friends that would like to become members and are open to talk about Dimolea, we're providing somewhere for them to meet, for them to talk to people of different uh, race, ethnicity, gender, because of our connection to the Masonic groups because we can have events like this, we're over Zoom and talking and, you know, really having these meaningful connections. I think that's been the biggest benefit of Demolay for me. I can't give you a hug. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't figured out how to do that just yet. Um, for our listeners, I, if you've ever had the attitude of get off my lawn with this next generation, I, I hope this is quickly squelching that. Um, it's, it's my belief that our world may well be in better hands if we turn the keys to it over to this generation sooner rather than later. They, they clearly get it. They have the skills, they have the empathy, they have the heart to, to just begin to repair the messes that we're leaving for them. For that, I apologize to the three of you. Um, th this is fascinating to me to see the, the commonalities between Freemasonry and each of our Masonic youth orders. And it's not a surprise, obviously, um, that the, the, the basic tenets flow all the way through. But it's also been said that being civil to somebody is easy and frankly not even required when everything's going smoothly, when we're all getting along. The skills of civility are necessary when we hit those rough patches, when we're not seeing eye to eye, when our passions are colliding with one another. And so I'm curious, um, how you're each dealing with that now. I'm taking it for granted that you've encountered plenty of incidents of those clashes, if you will. And uh, just curious if you could share some way that you're dealing with it that might help our, our listeners to be able to cope with those situations. Juliana, what are your thoughts? Like I said, I think that understanding is truly a very valuable, you know, just, I think it's honestly a skill and I think that it's not only it's understanding in every sense of the word not only understanding what your you know essentially opponent is truly trying to communicate but understanding how they came to that conclusion understanding the world that you're kind of living in Eddie says I, I already knew this but it's very cool. He's studying psychology. I'm actually studying sociology myself. And so I can definitely relate to having a 
slightly different perspective than I think the general public. And one of the things that we emphasize in sociology is something called the sociological imagination. And that's essentially taking yourself and putting yourself in the perspective of the world that you're living in. So I think that, you know, in today's world, it's very different than it was 20 years ago, 50 years ago, 150 years ago. And I think that really understanding the perspective of the people and the life that we're living, you know, I think some people have only been exposed, like I think specifically of Job's Daughters and, you know, Rainbow, we're organizations of women. And we truly battle having to work for an equal place in the professional world. And I think that that's a true value that like Rainbow and Job Sauters offer as female organizations is really carving out a place for, you know, women in the professional world. And I think that I tell a lot of my girls that I come across in the state and as I travel the world and stuff for Job Sauters is we talk a lot about, you know, inequality in the workplace. And I think that that's a very ever-changing um, difficulty in today's world. Um, but I think that when we run into those things, I think that understanding is really, you know, exercise that a little bit of sociological imagination to understand that, like, while you know that, you know, everyone should be treated equally, just, you know, regardless of gender, sexuality, or, you know, um, background, or race, or background, um, understand that, you know, you're living in a world that isn't completely equal yet. And it's okay to understand that and still not be complacent and still work to fight that and understand, you know, in the grand scheme of things, like, we work for progress and progress gets made. And so one week of, you know, stag, you know, like stagnant behavior or something like that, it's not going to be reflective of the long-term goal. And so I think that when we enter in these situations where we're in arguments or just in some sort of dispute with other people or our government or society as a whole, I think that it's really powerful to, you know, really exercise your skills of understanding in all facets, understanding yourself, understanding those that you're communicating with, and then understanding your place and your community's place in our, not in our cities, in our states, in our countries, and in our place and time in the, you know, existence of humanity. I, I couldn't agree with you more, um, but it's a whole lot more difficult to do than, than just saying it. And it seems like in order for us to gain understanding uh, of ourselves, we have to provide that time and that safe space to be introspective and to really question our own beliefs. And to really get to understanding somebody else, we have to be genuinely curious and interested in them. You can't just be passive and wait for it to, to come to you. One of the things that I actually have talked about multiple times when speaking at different Masonic organizations as Miss California Job's daughter is really emphasizing that you have to be ready to learn, but you have to also be ready to share. Because I think it's one thing to be sitting here and be like, everybody bring it to me. Everyone hand me the knowledge that I need. And one of the quickest ways to actually work to learn and experience different things is by sharing your own experiences. And so I think that by being vocal of your own experience, you open that dialogue with other people who maybe are not 
you know, given the power, are not empowered enough to even share their stories or share their experiences. And so clearly understanding is a very challenging thing. And like I said, I think that's why we're battling with it so much in today's society. But I think that one of the ways to begin, you know, not even begin, we're already started. Our world has started since America was founded, since the world has began. Like I said, progress has been being made. It just isn't as instantaneous as I think a lot of people, you know, truly wish it could be. But through understanding, we just only better ourselves and we better our world. And we're working towards that ideal of equality and equal opportunity. And those two are paired together. And I think that equality is one thing. It's one thing to treat people as your equal. And it's another to really boost them up and give them the same opportunities that say you were given. So thank you for that. Eddie, you had talked about um, the problems of isolation and, and so on. Um, what do you see as, as one of the bigger challenges that society is, is placing on young people these days? And, and what does your order have to say about that? How are we going to address that? I think one of the biggest issues that, that society is placing on, uh, on, on the younger generation has been this drive to be a part of the crowd, to uh, appear uniform, you know, in a sense. There are a lot of, uh, there are a lot of different things that, like private schools, you know, how everyone has to dress the same, everyone has to do this, and no one can, can express how they are different. You know, and this is one thing that I, I really, really admire about Job's daughters is though they have that, uh, in, a, in a way, dress, dress code of the, the robe and everything, they are not trying to take away from the individual. You know, the individual is free to express themselves and to be who they are while still emphasizing the importance that no one is above another. Um, I think that's actually something that, that we help with a lot, that Dimolai and Job's Daughters and Rainbow help with a lot, is the understanding that it is okay to be an individual. Uh, it is okay to have a voice of your own, to speak up, and sometimes stand against the crowd. And, you know, you may be a part of a group, but that doesn't mean you have to have a hive mind. Um, giving people a voice is, I think, something that all three of the youth orders have really, really helped, uh, helped the younger generation with. And that in turn helps with um, the problems of peer pressure and becoming part of the group. Um, kind of similar, or tying into what Juliana said, is with understanding comes patience. And with patience comes understanding. That's kind very of prof yeah. very profound. And, and what I'm hearing from you is the, the the innate tools that you're getting from your order is what's creating the kind of person A that you want to be and be the kind of person that's gonna have that voice and have that strength and that courage to take these situations on. Holly. 
lot of things coming at you and, and, and your peers and so on. Um, how are you addressing them? And what do you think is the biggest challenge these days? I think that one of the biggest challenges we have now is we live in an era of information and we get so much all at once and we always have to be right. There's this whole idea of cancel culture going around now where we aren't giving people the opportunity to learn and grow from their mistakes. And if we do that, then there will be nobody left because everybody makes mistakes. And when we give people that opportunity to grow and learn, they become better people. And there's one quote that I really like, which is, when you choose to do nothing, you take the side of the oppressor. So when you decide that I don't want to get involved and, you know, things are looking kind of hairy, I don't, it's not my thing. It's just making it so the people that are getting hurt continue to get hurt. And if we approach these situations with civility and kindness, and we tell the people that are oppressing these people, you know, what you're doing is not kind and it's not helpful and you need to look at approaching things a different way. It can boost those people that need help and provide a sense of equity. Because while equality is very important, if we don't have equity, then we can't be in a society where everyone is equal yet. You talked for a moment about in any one of you that want to approach this, the difference between equity and equality. Who wants to tackle that? Go I mean, I'd be more than willing. Okay, oh. go for it, Eddie. Um, sorry. My, I think my take on the difference between equity and equality comes down to a picture that I saw, you know, whereas equality is the same thing for everyone, in the, you know, in theory at least. Equity is equal opportunity. There's this picture that I really, really like of this fence. And there are three boys standing next to each other watching a baseball game. And it shows a picture of equality where each boy gets one box. The shortest and the middle can't see over the fence yet, but the tallest can't. The next one shows equity where the, the shortest gets three boxes and he can see over the fence. The middle gets two and the tallest gets one. And that way they're all able to see the game. That is, has been the best um, way that I have found to explain the difference between equity and equality. Um, just because you are equal does not mean that things will necessarily get easier or that things will necessarily get better. That's a perfect analogy of a beautiful image. So I have a few years on each of you and I don't want to be an obstacle, but rather I'd be, like to be a supporter of you. What can I and my generation do to get out of your way? Juliana? I would say, I think, like I said, people are going to have different opinions based on their experience, whether that's their experience because of some sort of, you know, 
because of their gender or their race or their age, especially. That's something that I truly value in our Masonic organizations is we get to, you know, work with people of all ages, with our adults, all the way down to, you know, our prospective members and our youngest members. I think that when it comes to truly as working with the youth, I think that it's really important to not necessarily be like, how can I get out of your way more so how can we find a common cause you know I think that especially in our Masonic organizations we already share such common values as you've already stated and I'm sure you can hear as we listen and talk about these kinds of things I think that when working with a younger generation as we as you know younger people work with the older generations I think it's really powerful to not be like you know, I want to do it my way or I want to do it this way, but really focusing on we're both working for this one thing. And once you identify, I think that sort of common ground and that commonality of belief and value, you're able to sort of compromise maybe in certain ways where, you know, um, if, you know, the younger generation or younger, you know, a younger person wants to do something in a very like new age or contemporary way, you might understand, you know, I don't really get that or like that idea, but I know that we have this common value and I know that you're working towards the same things that I want. So even if I don't necessarily understand it or support it or something like that, you can still support the idea knowing that that is working towards your common goal, whether that's, you know, equality or whatever, or civility, of course, as it be understanding once you truly are able to recognize a little bit and you know have faith that those around you hold the same values that you do you can then hopefully you know reap the reward after that even if they approach the idea from a different angle than you i think part of what i'm hearing you say is that i need to trust you in in your peers and um and be willing to support you, but that also means I may need to be uncomfortable because we've never done it this way before. <laughs> Famous line, right? I mean, our organizations are, Rainbow's about to be, you know, a hundred years old, a couple of years after us. Like we're about to be hundreds of years old. Obviously Mason is already hundreds of years old. You know, we're always changing. There's never going to be one way of doing things. And I think that that's, how we can even better our organizations as our Masonic family as a whole is truly staying true to our traditional values, but approaching those in contemporary ways. That's how our organizations can stay relevant and also stay valuable. Because, you know, I, speaking on behalf of Job's daughters and like even Rainbow were founded, you know, 1920s around that era. So the values that a woman could, you know, even achieve are not nearly as great as what we need now as professional women. You know, like Job's Daughters was founded right after, like a couple of months after women even gained the right to vote. That is a right now. And it wasn't when this, when Job's Daughters was being, you know, founded and stuff like that. And I think that, you know, it's really important to understand that we have common values, but it's okay. It, it's okay. It's okay to feel uncomfortable. I think that one of the things that I deal with, and I'm sure, you know, all of our, I'm sure all the leaders of our respective organizations sort of have experienced this, is you find members that are very staunt in their belief of, I want the Bethel to be run this way. 
And I think that it's really, again, with this understanding that the reason that they are fighting so hard for that is they want you to have the same good experience that they had. And I, that is very difficult to understand, especially, you know, for our youth when you're, you know, in a dispute with, say, your adult leadership or something like that, where you feel very slighted or very underrepresented. And it's, you know, you kind of have to take a step back as a fuller whole to sort of respect that even if I'm uncomfortable, I understand that what I understand why they're doing what they're doing, even if I don't necessarily agree with that. And I think that by communicating that, you can then move forward. But I definitely would say un discomfort is something that comes with the territory. And I think that's where strength plays a very valuable role, is you have to have strength to move forward and to continue believing in your values and fighting for those values while still recognizing that, you know what? what might be best for me might not be best for this other person. And if I want them to be their best, I have to let them do it the way that's going to make them their best. Very sage, very sage. It's said that Freemasonry doesn't innovate, but it evolves. And just as with your organizations, we hang on the 300 plus years of tradition that we've had, and that's what keeps us from, from blowing in the wind and changing course when we shouldn't be. And yet we do need to evolve so that with society so that we're providing what it is our members want and need and staying relevant. So it's a way of, of, of restating what you said, Jonah. <laughs> Eddie, your thoughts? Yes. Um, similar to, to what Juliana was touching on was I don't necessarily think the older generations need to get out of our way. Um, I kind of look at it as a building without a foundation. The structure will always be shaky. Um, although yes, we are trying to build uh, our young men and women to be the leaders of the future without a foundation to build off of, we can't do that. Um, when you look at things like cooking or drawing, you know, all of these different things, you need to know the basics to then create your own way of doing things. And I think that's where the, the older generations come in is they have all of this knowledge and experience from what they have been through. And the most one of the most important parts of Demolay are the advisors are the adults that are there to help get us through because we don't have all the experience that you may have we don't have the knowledge that comes with uh with the things that that people have been through and by instilling that in the next generation they can then take that and create their own style of leadership, their own style of living. It's, uh, it's important that our generation also realizes that there is valuable information, there is valuable knowledge that comes from uh, experiences because the best growth happens in uncomfortable situations. And frankly, many of us haven't been in that many. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. 
Holly, your thoughts? I think a really important thing that the older generations could do is listen. Um, even if you don't understand their viewpoint or what it's like, show up and be willing to learn. And I think that the world will become a more accepting place if we all do that. Um, but I think something that I've seen recently, there's a lot of headlines that are like, millennials do this now, or they do this differently, or Gen Z does this differently. And it seems like older people are so scared of change and they're so scared of losing what they had when change is inevitable and it's gonna happen no matter what you do. And if you decide to go with the changes and listen and speak up about things, then it'll be easier to handle. Tremendous. Um, if we had no limitations on time and we wouldn't tune our, tune our listeners out, I could keep this going for hours um, because I enjoy you all so much. I'm gaining so much from this, learning so much. Um, but unfortunately, we can't. <laughs> the world does need to go on. Um, but I look forward to continuing these conversations again. And as I'm wrapping this up, I'd like each of you to think about just um, one thought that you'd like to leave with our listeners in terms of your respective orders and civility. And to our listeners, I encourage you to check out Demolay International. Just simply go to demolay.org. Job's Daughters International and the International Order for Rainbow for Girls and read more about what their teachings are all about. Um, in some cases, you'll see some of the, the famous members of their orders and so on. But between you and me, these are the famous members of the orders. Um, we don't need a, a, a Ronald Reagan or a, a president to, to claim that they were a member of one of our orders. These, these youth orders are teaching these people how to be good people, how to be good citizens, and eventually terrific parents. And, and I hope today has instilled that confidence in you of our next generation. I, I know our, our world is in good hands and we give me faith and confidence. So I thank all of you. Uh, again, I want you to just leave our, leave our audience with that, that one pearl of wisdom in terms of uh, your respective order civility. So Eddie, we'll let you go first. I think uh, the most important thing that, that I've learned is that we are never alone. Although our experiences will all be unique, that doesn't mean the journey that we have to make has to be made alone. There wow. is nothing wrong with support, nothing wrong with asking for help. It's such a critical message in today's world where we do see, seem so isolated and, and the problem is so insurmountable. Um, the fact that there is support, there are people there that are there to help in any way um, is very powerful. Thank you. Holly, your thought? Well, I think this sounds like a really easy thing to address. Um, it's kind of hard to vocalize. Um, Rainbow has given me so many opportunities that I wouldn't have had without it. And there's no way I'd be able to speak to all of you right now if without it. Public speaking is so important. And like Juliana said before, 
these organizations give us that opportunity that women might not have had if they had not joined them. And it's so important that in everything we do, we go forth with love and service and make the community a better place. Terrific. I'm counting on you to do just that. Thank you, Holly. Juliana. I would definitely say to have faith in something, whether that's faith in yourself, faith in your family, your community, the good of humanity. I think that it's really important to have that faith and be patient knowing that eventually what you believe to be the good in the world will prevail. That there will be, that there not only will be light at the end of the tunnel, but there is light everywhere you look. It's important to not only understand the things that we need to change, but also appreciate the progress that we have made and, you know, look to the world and recognize how many absolutely wonderful people there are and how many people there are working to better themselves and in turn better the world around them. And I think that it's important to not only understand that, but also have faith that that will continue as we see throughout, you know, our government's history, our world's history, good prevails, civility prevails eventually. It just takes time and time requires patience. And so with those two values understood, we will eventually reach what our goal is, which in this case could be civility, equality, all of this kind of wonderful things. You really do have to have faith and patience and those eventually will lead you to the reward that you're looking for. Thank you so much. It, what I'm also getting out of this is this is a journey and the journey is gonna have some backpedaling from time to time, but we're gonna keep on pedaling. And no matter how steep that hill is, we're, we're gonna get there and we're gonna do it together. I'm grateful this is a podcast so if you all can't see the uh, the dust that's in my eyes. Um, I have such enormous pride in all of you, all that you're doing. And um, I think you all know that you have my tremendous admiration and support in anything that you need. Go forth, repair our world, and uh, you're going to do it. Thank you all so much for this time. And to our listeners, stay tuned for another episode of Restoring Civility in Society. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and leave us a comment. We enjoy hearing from our listeners. If you really like what you heard, share this podcast with your friends and lodge members. Visit us online at solomonstaircase.org.